Did y'all feel that? Sometimes I just think it's me, right? And then I listen to you all sing, and you're like singing your hearts out. And it is just the best. I know that when they can hear you up here, you have no idea the encouragement that that gives them. So um, I, yeah, it's just a good thing. Um, let, me, let me pray for us. Lord, I, I am already so grateful for your spirit, your spirit in us in this place, for the work that you do, the healing that you bring. It's not always easy. But we know that you love us and that we are slowly but surely learning to love each other. We don't always do it perfectly, but we know, Lord, that you redeem even our worst efforts. So thank you uh, for being here among us. Thank you for your love in Christ. Thank you for your kingdom that is already here and still coming. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's see how you do with this. God is good. So ah, you did pretty well all the time. All right, we'll do it one more time. All the time. Ah, God is good. Yeah, let's see if you how you do with this. His love endures. Hey, okay, we're getting there. We are getting there. We all have a story, don't we? Whether we are 10 or we are 110, we all have a story. Now, I'm guessing me just saying that you have a story probably got you thinking about your story. And when you think about your story, I bet it will took you to moments and times, successes and failures, fears and joy, all intertwined with other people. See, the only way as a human being that we can really have a story, whatever your story is and however you would tell your story, is to be intertwined with other people. I mean, think about it. Your, your mom is part of your story, right? But your mom has a story, and your dad has a story, and your roommate has a story, and the lady at the grocery store has a story, and the, and the guy who backed into you in the parking lot has a story. And they are part of your story, and their story influences your story, which in turn influences the story of those your story intersects with. Now, of course, some people figure more prominently in your story than others, and sometimes it's time that makes a difference. A, a long-term marriage will certainly have an impact on your story, obviously, but, but it isn't only time that makes the difference, that makes an impact. I mean, a short but wonderful encounter can last an entire lifetime. That's kind of painful one. Over the next 10 weeks or so, we're going to be talking about our stories, and, and hopefully what we're going to be really talking about is your stories, if you're willing to share them with us. In many years of doing ministry, the one thing that people ask for over and over and over again is more of other people's stories, stories which take place maybe in the grocery store or revolve around your most recent dent in your fender. But all these stories have one thing in common, a hint of the kingdom of heaven. Some, as a friend of mine would say, wonderment about the movement of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I don't want this to sound too big because I think sometimes we only want to share stories that we find are impressive or transformative, but, but here's the deal. Most of life is not made up of big moments, is it, right? Most of life is made up of, of small moments, and the truth is that it is in those small moments where the kingdom of heaven is most often found. I also think we're reluctant to share stories because we're so influenced by TV, and so we think that a story kind of has to be complete before we can share it, but, but our stories are never really complete. Most stories, our stories, even the story that God is telling is not yet complete. It's moving towards completion, but the story is still being told. And so our stories are always a bit open-ended. Let me give you an example. Last fall, I, I got a call from my um, daughter, Hope. She was on our front porch. She was working, and our neighbor um, had come over, and he wanted to know if my wife, Marianne, was home. He knew that Marianne was a nurse. It seems the Amazon driver had dislocated his shoulder, and Josh needed help to help him. Now, Marianne was at work, so Hope called me. I am not good in these moments, but she called me to see if there was somebody here at the church who could help. Well, it turns out that Landmark School has an RN that's on staff. And so in about five minutes, Leah, that's the name of the nurse, and I were on our way to see what we could do. Long story short, Hope and I ended up driving Bernard, the Amazon driver, Bernard to the ER. Where's the only name that you know Bernard from? Where's the only thing you know the name Bernard from? Huh? Yes, exactly. He is what? The head elf, of course. Absolutely. Which is why I remembered his name, right? I mean, so, so Hope and I drive Bernard to the ER. I left my card in his bag, and I said, call me. But he never did. I never found out what happened to Bernard. And we were all kind of wondering what happened to him. And when I would see Leah kind of around, we would kind of always remember ourselves back to Bernard. Well, one day, about three months later, I was walking down the driveway to get the mail. And when I got to the mailbox, the Amazon truck pulled up, and the guy got out and he handed me a package. And I was like, okay, great, you know, and I'm sort of making my way back up. And it was the spirit was like in my ear going, ask him if he knows Bernard. Ask him, and I'm like, eh, you know. And so finally I was like, and one thing is, except you've been doing this for a while, you give in a little bit faster than you did when you started. And so I, I turned around and I, I said to the guy who was walking away from me, I said, hey, do you know a guy named Bernard? And he stopped and he, he never turned around and he said, no. And then he took a couple more steps and he turned around and he looked at me and he said, why did you ask me that? And I kind of explained what had happened. And he looked at me and he said, I'm Bernard. I was like, what? I didn't recognize him. And he didn't recognize me. And he told me, he said, I was in so much pain the day that happened. He said, I couldn't even remember where on my route it took place. And then God kind of like put us back together in my driveway, just really for a few seconds. Now, I don't know much about Bernard or his story. And I really don't know what Bernard is doing in my story. But the love and movement of the Spirit in this whole thing, at least for me, is undeniable. And while Leah and Hope and my neighbor and Bernard were all, and me and all of us, we were all actors in the story, 
It was God who was telling the story. It was God who was creating the story. And that's what makes it beautiful and interesting and in some ways redemptive. Now, this morning I want to introduce another story to you, which readers of the Bible have encountered for thousands of years, but which they almost always skip over. When we come to this story, we want to just jump past it, maybe because we know the conclusion of the story, maybe because we are impatient, maybe because we don't understand it. But right now, what I want to do is just slow everybody down and encounter an extremely important story found at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Elizer, Elizer the father of Mathen, Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Told you, you've skipped it. I know, genealogies, right? I mean, what is the deal with genealogies? And it's a really good question. Why is this here? Because it's a story. And it's a story that tells us something. All stories really tell us something. And honestly, if you slow down, you'll notice the reason that this is here very quickly because it's in the very first line. The purpose of this list is to firmly connect Jesus to David and to Abraham. But surely there is more to this than just that, right? Because they could have just said that and actually did, but... It goes on and on and on. I mean, you could have gotten there without this long list of begats, right? Now, I'll bet as I read through that list, there were some names you recognized. You might even know some of the stories behind some of those names, but there were also names in there that I know that you have never heard, that you know nothing about. And I know this because, to be honest with you, those names only show up in one place in this genealogy. And yet, here they are. 
And the fact that we don't know anything about them doesn't make them any less important because they all have one thing in common. Their story leads to another story, the story of Jesus' life. But wait, there's more. Did you, um, the names you did recognize, did you find any of them shocking? Shocking that these people's names are in this list of people whose stories lead to Jesus? You may not know this, but there are some rough stories contained in there. Bad kings, worse queens, horrible reputations, murderers, adulterers, idolaters, foreigners. It's an interesting list. But there are also these incredibly faithful people who are included in this list. And so put together, it becomes this really interesting story. And it is the story of how God's promise made to Abraham never stopped moving. It never went away. It always moved forward. And it culminates in Jesus, which is not to say that the story ends with Jesus, because it doesn't. In Jesus, the story is renewed, it is restored, it is pushed forward. Now, I could spend days on this list. Do you want me to do that? I don't think so. Um, I actually have spent days on this list. I've made my way through the accounts of all the kings. I could tell you these really interesting theories about the numbers associated with this list, like why 14 generations, for example, and we could get into all of that, and it would be fascinating, but it would be distracting because the purpose of this story even the purpose of the scholarly work, it all comes back to one single point, to tell us who Jesus is. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. Now, we can see the connection to David pretty quickly in here, but it is the promise made to Abraham that all the world would be blessed through him and his descendants that is the most important thing. I mean, think about this. The Gospel of Matthew opens with this. But what does it end with? The Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. See, as the promise has passed through all of these people and landed in Jesus, it is now pushed out into the world through the followers of Jesus, through his disciples, through you and me. We are the ones who fulfill this promise that God made to Abraham on a dark, starry night so many years ago that we can't count it. And so when we tell the story of Jesus, we are also telling the story of, of Abraham and, and David, of Ruth and Jesse and Manasseh and Zerubbabel and Mary and Joseph. And what's important is that, that Matthew starts this gospel with the genealogy of Jesus, but he doesn't stop there. He continues telling the story, but now he's pulling in all of these other people who become part of the story that God is telling now through Jesus. I mean, there's a man healed of leprosy, a centurion, um, the, the man born blind, a woman at a well, Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, Pilate. They're all part of this growing story of how God is keeping his promises in and through Jesus. And remember, all of these people are not just like isolated characters. 
Now, because of their connection with Jesus, they are connected with, with not only all the, the people who were in the genealogy before Jesus, but they are also pulling this promise forward through all the people who, who intersect their stories, with whom they are intertwined in their lives. And this might be the reason that Paul uses the, the language of adoption to describe how we are claimed in Christ Maybe Paul uses the language of adoption because it is the best way that Paul can come up with to, to say this story which really wasn't yours is now yours. That, that this story of redemption and the blessing of the world, a story that God started long ago, which most of us have sort of have held out here. We understand sort of the, the influence that it has. It impacts us, but, but somehow it doesn't necessarily include us now. Now, our story is that story. We have been chosen by a gracious father to be part of what he is doing in his created world. This is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. When Paul talks about heirs, that means we are part of the family. And when we become part of a family, the stories which define the family become ours too. Now, some people will say, yeah, but you, you don't know. <laughs> you have no idea what my story is. You don't know how abused I was or what I've done or the family I came from or the circumstances of my birth. You don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've seen. And you're right, I don't. But let me tell you, as we walk through a bunch of these stories in the genealogy of Matthew, that's what we're going to do. I think that you'll see that none of the things we would think would disqualify people from being part of what God is doing in the world, that none of those things, and I was gonna say none of those things really matter, they do matter, but in a way that we sometimes miss. See, the things that we think would disqualify us are not bigger than the power of God. They are not bigger than the love of God. They are not bigger than the plan of God to reestablish his kingdom and to use you and me to do it. And the biggest misconception people have about their own story is that when, when you wake up to the grace of Jesus in your life, that your story, all the things that kind of brought you to this point where you met Jesus, that all of those things, the good, the bad, the ugly, that all those things just disappear, that they're no longer a part of your story. And I think sometimes we love for that to be true because some of that stuff back there is kind of embarrassing and I'd rather you know I kind of like put this other face towards you I don't really want you to know all this but the thing is Jesus doesn't erase that stuff he transforms it see what you thought was a defeat Jesus has now turned into a victory and it's not your victory it's not my victory it's his victory 
See, we can't be afraid to, to share what we have struggled through, what Jesus has, has brought us through, what, what Jesus has helped us overcome. We have to be more honest than that because it is in telling these stories that other people find hope. It's in telling these stories that, that other people go, well, if Jesus redeemed that, then Jesus can redeem me. And while we might not love the reality of our lives before Jesus. I don't think those things need to be a source of shame and guilt either, nor celebration. It's just the before. And then Jesus happened. And this is who we are now. It only goes to prove the, the power and the love of God working in us and, and in the world and as we dig into some of these stories behind the names and the genealogy, you will see that the content of the stories doesn't change. Just because they're in the list of genealogy of people who lead to Jesus, the content of that person's story doesn't change. And what you find is it is through these broken and lost people that the salvation of the world, that the blessing of all people through Abraham comes. In other words, when Jesus finds us, when we wake up to his grace and mercy and love, when we see the kingdom around us and in us, and when we begin to participate in what God is doing, then our stories become his story. And his story becomes our story. And we all sort of move forward together in the enduring story of God's love and goodness of, of the story he is telling about how he is redeeming this broken and fallen world. It's every one of our stories. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I ask that you would... Um, that you'd give us courage. Because it's sometimes really, really hard to know how to tell the change that we have had in our lives because of you. Hard to know where to start, hard to know where to stop. But would you open our eyes to your kingdom in our midst. Would you continue to break down the barriers that, that stand between us, our shame and guilt and fear, so that we can step fully into the kingdom that you are bringing. Lord, I thank you for your spirit in the room this morning. I thank you for the way you're speaking to people right now and how they are thinking about stories of ways you have redeemed and moved or just shown yourself in some small way. I thank you, Lord, that, that not every story is giant, but that sometimes, most times, it is in the small things 
that we feel you, we see you, and we are encouraged by you. Lord, for those who need healing this morning, I pray your spirit upon it. May you bring peace and mercy and grace into our lives in every single circumstance. We are, Lord, eternally grateful for you, for your love for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.